loved telling a story of a little boy, a little boy who fell off a pier into deep water. There was a sailor, sailor nearby. He saw what had happened and ignoring danger to himself, he dived into the rough seas. He was struggling with the boy and finally, quite exhausted, he brought the boy to safety. Two days later, the boy's mother came with her son to the same pier, seeking out the sailor who saved her son's life. Finding him, she asked, are you the one who dived into the ocean to bring my boy out? I am, he replied. Well, where's my son's hat? Ingratitude is something I struggle with, it's something you struggle with, it's something that we all struggle with. Maybe when you've gone out of your way to do something for someone, you've gone the second mile, you've gone beyond that call of duty, and you don't even get a thank you for what you have done for them. Now, there's a story in the Bible, the story that Amelie read so beautifully to us, where Jesus came across ten men with leprosy. Leprosy was a terrible disease in its time. It's a particularly bad disease today, but in the ancient world, it was far, far worse. And those who contracted leprosy, really their lives were effectively over. They were excluded from society. They were physically put outside the town. They could not have any contact with their families or their work. They didn't live. They just existed. And when these 10 leprosy sufferers saw Jesus, they just cried out for help. I can only guess that they'd heard about Jesus before this time, that perhaps they'd heard of his many miracles. Jesus then told them what to do and where to go. And we are told that they were healed on their way, all ten of them. Their lives had been very much given back to them. Even more remarkable than the miraculous healing that occurred was the fact that nine out of the ten didn't return to say thank you. Jesus even asked the man who returned, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Indeed, that's a very good question, isn't it? Where were the other nine? Now, for a couple of months on a Sunday morning, we've been um, working through a series of Bible teaching entitled Stories That Transform. And we have been inspired by so many of the Bible stories that are transformative. But I would say that this story that we're looking at this morning is maybe the, as transformative, if not more so, than anything that we've heard so far. For it touches something deep inside our hearts. It's a sin that we hate in others. It's a sin that we often fail to see in ourselves, the sin of ingratitude. Where are the other nine? Well, Luke informs us that the one who came back to Jesus was in fact a Samaritan from the region of Samaria. He was a, a detested foreigner. I suppose a modern rendition of this story would be like saying that Jesus went to a religious Christian conference and healed 10 people. But the only person who came back was a militant atheist to thank him. Or maybe someone from another religion. It would be very, very similar to that. But in Luke chapter 17, verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? 
Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Now this man being a Samaritan wasn't just an incidental to the story. Of the gospel writers, it's only Luke that tells this story. Matthew doesn't tell it. Mark doesn't tell it. John doesn't tell this story. Maybe they didn't know the story to tell. Maybe they just had their own reasons for not telling it or putting it in their Gospels. But Luke always seems to go out of his way to talk about the outcast and the marginalised, about the, the prodigal sons and about faithful Romans and godly women. Well, how on earth were they outcasts? Well, in society that they lived, it was a very patriarchal society and women were at the bottom of the list. I love the story in Luke's Gospel of the Roman centurion who came to Jesus asking Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus was prepared to go with him to the Roman centurion's house. And the Roman centurion said, no, you don't need to do that. I don't deserve you to come into my house. I um, am a man under authority. I will have many soldiers who answer to me. If I tell this one, go, he, he will go. If I tell this one, come, he will come. Please, you don't need to do that, Jesus. Just say the word. And then in Luke chapter 7, verse 9, we are told, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and returned to the crowd following him. He said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. That Roman centurion's faith was really quite a challenge to the Jewish people. And Luke's story here that we're looking at this morning, this story about the ten lepers, is also a challenge to the Jewish people who had the covenants and had the law, had the promises of God, and they were called by God to be his light to the nations. And Jesus said, Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And I think the inference there in Luke's words is, if anyone should have been grateful, then it should have been the people of faith. Yet we have this guy, this guy from Samaria, a detested foreigner. He is the one who has shown up all the others. And I suppose bringing uh, that into context for us today, for us this morning, I would say, suggest to you, that we Christians, I believe, who are recipients of the grace and the mercy of God, should be the most grateful people on the planet. Do you agree? When we think of it, when we think of God's amazing love, his amazing grace to us, all that he has done in our lives, the faithful God that we serve, we should be the most grateful people on the planet. The Bible reminds us a lot about this. Um, I was reading this week in, in the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament, verses that you will know. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And as I read that uh, verse this week, just preparing some thoughts for this morning, and you, I don't know what I'm, you know, you know, sometimes you start with, with something and then something else comes to mind. And as I read that verse, there was an old song that we used to sing many, many years ago. Um, I've been a Christian now 44 years. 
And uh, when I first became a Christian, we used to sing this song in our church. I'm not asking us to sing this, please. I know that we've been um, reviving some of the old songs this morning, but this one probably not. But the words went like this. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Do you remember that one, Joe? Yes. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. You see, when we grasp the magnitude of God's love to us, his amazing grace, his awesome commitment to us, the only response can be gratitude. The wonder of your mercy, Lord, the beauty of your grace, that you should even pardon me and bring me to this place. I stand before your holiness. I can only stand amazed. The sinless saviour died to make a covenant of grace. One of my favourite psalms is Psalm 103. It's a great psalm. And the psalmist starts off this great psalm with, Praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul. And forget not all his benefits. And then David, the writer of the psalm, goes on to talk about the benefits that he is telling us not to forget. And he tells us not to forget that God is a forgiving God, a healing God, a redeeming God. We're told about God himself, that he is a God who is compassionate and gracious, that he is slow to anger, that he's abounding in love, that he will not treat us as our sins deserve, and he will, uh, for he has removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. And as Christians, sometimes I think that we suffer with spiritual amnesia. We have such short memories and we forget sometimes to draw on the past and the way that God has proved faithful time and time and time and time again. And we forget his blessings and his benefits. This week I, uh, I started reading this book, Grace and Glory. And as most of you know, it's a book that Julie and I wrote um, a couple of years ago. I tell you what, it did my heart good. It did my heart good, not just because it's the, the very best Christian book on the... <laughs> on the market, not for that reason, not because its authors are just utterly brilliant, superb writers, or because they're spiritual giants in their time, but actually it was because it reminded me something of our journey together. Our journey as Tamworth Elim Church family, we have been on this journey for a long time. Today we are celebrating 10 years of the, the food bank. In a couple of weeks' time, we are celebrating 25 years of the Manor House charity and its ministries here in the town. Do you know what? Some of these stories, even though I wrote the book, I have already begun to forget. They were already being, going from my memory. And therefore, that was why it was good, just to go back. Not for the sake of nostalgia, we're not into that. But for the sake of reminding ourselves of the faithfulness of God. And that's always something good to do, isn't it? Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And this morning we are 
celebrating harvest together. Harvest is a time of reaping and gathering in grain and other products from the land. And then stopping long enough to give thanks to God for his amazing grace and his amazing provision to us. And for us to count our blessings. Someone wrote this. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, then you are more blessed than the six million who will not survive the week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, the pangs of starvation, then you are ahead of 500 million people in the world. If you can attend a church meeting without fear of harassment, arrest, torture or death, you are more blessed than 100 million people in the world. If you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof overhead, and a place to sleep, then you are richer than 75% of the world's population. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, spare change in a dish somewhere, then you are in the top 8% of the world's wealthy. Incredibly sobering statistics, and right now, in this building this morning, I am looking at the wealthiest people on the planet. We might on times be tempted to bemoan our lot, to complain about our circumstance, to grumble about the inconsequential things in our lives. But can I encourage you today? Let us count our blessings. Let us be people of gratitude. Because our abundant blessings are just that, they're abundant. I love being around people with an attitude of gratitude. And I know that I've mentioned uh, this to you before. I, a friend of mine, actually, Stuart, <coughs> I mentioned um, his story to you some time ago. But about five years ago, Stuart was diagnosed with motor neuron disease, the same disease that um, Stephen Hawking, the brilliant Cambridge cosmologist, uh, suffered from. Back then, I remember Stuart telling me that he was needing to go to hospital for tests. Uh, it was his right hand. It was causing some concerns. There was muscle weakness and there were some sensory problems. But that was then, five years ago. Within three years, he had no ability to use his body from the neck down. And I remember visiting Stuart. Uh, Stuart rather. He lived in one of the uh, outlying um, villages in Tamworth. And I went over to see him one morning just to bring some encouragement. I hope I did it. I'm not sure whether I did or not. But the one thing I know for certain, he encouraged me. He inspired me so much. It was a real sense of awe just being in his presence, listening to his attitude towards life. And instead of bemoaning his lot, cursing his life-limiting um, illness, I remember him being positive and totally upbeat and just catch this he even called his condition his gift whoa in fact I needed to ask him about that what are you talking about can you explain that to me and he told me that this condition had opened the door for him to speak to far more people about the really really important things in life than he had ever been open to speak to them before. They would not really listen to him previously, but now, 
with him in a totally different situation. They were very eager to listen to his every word. And perhaps in a more profound way than he had ever done so before, he was able to speak about the love of God. Stuart, by the way, was a local Anglican vicar. I say was because at the beginning of lockdown um, last year, he got promoted. I don't mean to bishop, but I mean got promoted to heaven. Despite his terrible physical condition, he carried on his, um, his work as a clergyman, um, blessing the bread and wine. When his wife Jackie was at his side, she was his hands to pass out the bread and wine to the congregation. He couldn't get into a pulpit and spoke from a wheelchair in the aisle, desperately trying, wrestling with the formation of words, trying to get his words out with the congregation, just listening to not only his every word, but his every syllable that he brought to them. Despite his limitations, he was deeply aware of all that he had to be thankful for. And I remember then the last time I saw him, he reminded me of a quote from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, that great Oxford scholar, the um, author of the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and so like. And this is what he said, C.S. Lewis. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time balanced minds were most thankful. While the cranks, the misfits, the malcontents were the least thankful. Gratitude almost seems to be inner health made audible. Wow, what an amazing statement to make. And I thank God, I really do. I thank God for Stuart and I thank God for so many people just like Stuart that I've known over the years. Those people, in a sense, at one level, would appear, it would appear that they have very little to be thankful for. But despite their circumstances, their attitude of gratitude has shone through and has touched something very, very, very deeply in all of our lives. And some of those people I'm talking about are even members of our church family. And I wouldn't for a moment embarrass you by saying who you are, but I'm sure that many will know who I'm speaking of. For such people, I thank God. I thank God for their faith. Thank God for their attitude. I thank God for their example of giving thanks in all circumstances. C.S. Lewis said the gratitude, that gratitude is a sign of inner health. And that's about right, I think, because Jesus said something very similar to that. He said, out of the fullness of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. Out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Therefore, whatever is in there will come out. And it's like having a glass full of water right to the, the brim and you bump into something. And whatever is in the glass will spill out. And if our lives are so full of Jesus, then what's going to spill out? Jesus. Gratitude. Thankfulness. And as I reflected on this uh, story again this week, I asked myself, which am I like? Most like. Like the one who came back or like the nine who didn't. Do I have an attitude of gratitude 
And does my response begin and end with fine-sounding words? Or does my gratitude run much deeper than that? What's on the inside will always come out. You see, what Jesus has done for us is far, far, far greater than what he did for those ten lepers. For them, it was a physical healing. They were transformed. Their physical lives were transformed. Their world looked entirely different. But our healing is far more profound than that because he has healed our hearts. And he has not only transformed our hearts, but he has transformed our here and now and also prepared us for eternity. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Guys, would you like to come back and perhaps lead us in that great song? Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands, washed me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Would you stand with me, please? Let us pray. Let us just come with thankful hearts before the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for all that you have given us. You are a God who gives and gives and gives and gives again. Lord, we thank you first and foremost for the life that you've given us. The new life in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that although we were not deserving of anything from you, you have bestowed grace and mercy upon us. We're thanking you, Lord, for forgiveness. We thank you for new starts. Lord, we thank you that the world looks such a different place than it once did. Thank you for the faith, Lord, that you've put in our hearts to trust you, to walk in your ways. But Lord, there are so many other things. Lord, it's hard to know where to stop when we start thanking you. When we look around, Lord, and we thank you for one another. When we thank you for the life that you've given us, we thank you for our health and strength. We thank you for our material blessings. Lord, this morning our hearts are just so full of gratitude to you that you are a God who is so good. Lord, I just pray that we might be people with that attitude of gratitude as we go into this world today and this week, I pray. Let us just be like that, that glass of water which is full to the brim that whenever we, we bump into others, whenever things go right or whenever, whenever things go wrong, what comes out is Jesus, I pray.